Hello, everyone. Welcome to How We Work. I'm your host, Dr. Misha Ann Martin, and I am back with the wonderful Dr. Isha Vicaria to discuss part two of our latest Work Human IQ survey, The Evolution of Work. Let's do it. All right. So here we are back back for part two discussing evolution of work. I actually think we can summarize what we talked about last time with what we're seeing throughout this report is that people who are required to be somewhere, whether it's remote or hybrid or on site, are having worse experiences at work. And it's not necessarily that hybrid is the answer or remote is the answer. The answer is listen to your employees, and take their preferences into account. Awesome. That is a great summary. For our listeners, though, there is so much detail and richness in what we talked about last time. And so if you want the details behind that, I recommend that you go back to part one for a full breakdown. All right. So one other thing that this this report tackled that I'm really excited about is culture. It is such an exciting part of this report to me, not only because of what we found, but the new methodology that we use. Mm -hmm. Isha, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, we did a lot of different things this time around. We pulled out the NLP. We pulled out the... Natural language processing, y'all. We we looked at distributions. We dug deep on this one. But like Mishan said, we were really interested in culture. This like ever evasive term. What exactly Mm -hmm. is it? How do you define it? How do you measure it? How does it change? There are a lot of questions on company culture, but it's very important to know and study. So one of the things that we did here was we looked at the differences between connection to company culture and colleagues. And time and time again, we're seeing that people are more connected to the colleagues around them than their company culture. And that speaks volumes because it's about the people at work. That's right. The people make the culture. So another thing that we looked at was, you know, how are people describing their culture differently when they have a recognition recognition program in place versus when they do not? And we found some really exciting things here. And the other thing that I'm really happy about is, you know, we're here at Work Human Live, live. And we just released this evolution of work report, but it's already made its way into Eric's keynote from yesterday. So tell us about these exciting findings. Yeah. So our natural language processing experts helped us with analyzing a text response on our survey. We asked people, if you could describe your company culture in one word, what would that word be? And we separated groups of people who say they work in an organization with a recognition program and those who don't. And very clearly, people who work in an organization with a recognition program and are recognized frequently have positive things to say about their company culture. They're saying things like inclusion, caring, innovative, really interesting, collaborative, collaborative, Mm -hmm. variety of positive phrases here. And when you look at the opposite, they're neutral to even 
negative terms, mm-hmm. including toxic. And that was a big one. That a was of, a big one. A yeah. lot of people saying their organization is toxic. Yeah. So the biggest, the biggest one for people who had a recognition program was positive and that word was inclusive. So that was what we found most frequently for that group. Mm-hmm. For the group that didn't have a recognition program, not only were they less likely to describe their culture positive at, positively at all, but their biggest term was toxic. Like, I was like, ooh, toxic though? Like, that's, bad. <laughs> that's really, really bad. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the exciting, and now I want to talk about some of these results that were surprising to me. So I'm going to go there. Sure, let's do it. So in our, one of our previous research reports, we found that black employees in the sample were significantly lower on psychological safety compared to white employees. And this time we found that they were significantly higher. Both men and women. Both men and women. Yes. And as a researcher, like that is Well, that is a bit of your worst nightmare, not only because you're finding something different than we found last time, but also because before now, we'd been talking about that finding a lot. Like I've talked about it at Work Human Live with prospects on webinars. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, did we go out there with the wrong thing? And then as a black person, I was like, no, we didn't. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I, I know better. And so we dug deeper to understand why we were finding something different than we found the first time. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, when the results come in and and the the means aren't the same, we're like, huh, that's scratching our head. What's going on here? But when you take a step back at how we approached this survey, we were really interested in sampling a very diverse group of people across the world. And we made an effort to increase our quotas for non-white respondents. And what I think is happening is that in doing so, we're inviting a wider variety of experiences for non-white employees. And so we're seeing the good and the bad. And we happen to have more people in this sample having the good experiences. You know, that is a really great way to think about it because we expanded our scope and we happened to get more Black employees that were having great experiences. So for our nerdy listeners out there, technically what happened is we had a bimodal distribution where some of the Black sample was significantly lower and some were significantly higher and the significantly higher were dragging the mean which I always say hides a multitude of sins. By oh, way. yeah. They were dragging the mean so that the mean was significantly higher than our white sample. But then when we dug deeper again, what we saw was that compared to our white sample, this black sample had a disproportionate number of people with the good experiences at work that were related to higher psychological safety. So then I went from distressed to excited, oh, right? Because yeah. this means something. So we found that compared to our white sample, our black sample were more likely to have a say in their work arrangement. They were more likely to work somewhere that celebrated personal life events. They were more likely to work somewhere that had a recognition program. They were more likely to check in weekly. They were more likely to be participating in ERGs. 
So then my emotions, lots of emotions here, turned to hopeful because what this really showed to me is that for a sample that often doesn't feel like they can be their authentic selves or that they can speak up, when you implement these practices, you can make a difference. And what I love about this research is we're not afraid to put out where we are in the process. Yes. We don't have all the answers right now. And we're curious Mm -hmm. to know more about the Black experience at work, the good and the bad, and how we can elevate more people into the good experiences. I am so proud of us with this report. Like, (laughs) look at us innovating all over the place, continuing to ask the questions and dig deep. You know, it would have been easy to be like, let's just not talk about yeah, this. Yeah, brush it under the rug. Yeah, let's not just, because it's different from what we found. Let's just not talk about it. And I'm so proud of us that we didn't do that. So another topic we tackled this time that was a little bit newer for us was this idea of ERGs or employee resource groups. So I just said, you know, that more of our Black sample was participating in that, and that is related to higher psychological safety. But can you tell our listeners, Isha, what else we found regarding ERGs? Yeah, ERGs are very hot right now. Everybody's talking about ERGs, but nobody has data on ERGs. Nobody's really measuring the experience of employees participating in ERGs. And on a personal level, I wanted to understand what it what kind of toll it takes on individuals who are contributing to this work affinity group and not getting paid for it, not yeah. getting compensated, not, you know, kind of operating in a silo, not letting that work get as much attention as it should. Yeah. So what we did was we we asked in our survey, do you participate in an employee resource group? And looking at the differences between people who do and people who don't, unsurprisingly, people who do have higher psychological safety, higher connection, more advocacy kind of things. Like they're more likely to recommend their employer. They're more likely to know their organization's value. So lots of good, like these are the people who are clearly enmeshed and engaged in their organization, but they're real stressed out. They have higher stress than people who are not in ERGs. And we're interpreting that as there's extra load on these people at work. And Where's the relief coming from for that extra effort that they're putting in? You know, I think that there's another component to it. We're doing another line of research with an organization called Black Men in Tech. And with that sample and in that research, we asked about ERGs as well. And one of the things that came out of that research is I'm not getting recognized for this. I'm doing all of this for this company for free and it's invisible. Yeah. It's not being recognized. And furthermore, there's a portion of of this sample that says that they are being treated unfairly as a result of their participation in ERGs. So that makes me really sad and really mad because there's so much potential around things like this. But, you know, I've heard these stories from my own network, right, where the company says ERGs are important, but the manager doesn't endorse the employees spending time on it. And that can be a stressor. For sure. Right. And so I think a couple of things that companies can do is make sure that people do have the time. Like, first of all, don't just say it's important, but don't allow people to carve out the time to participate. 
Number two, make sure that when they do participate, you know, you recognize that and make that recognition visible. So you send a message to the whole company that this is an important part of who we are and what we do. And it's it's not only okay, but encouraged to take time for this important thing. Yeah. When you think about, you know, attracting talent, ERGs are something that an organization might advertise as, hey, join our company culture and you'll find a an affinity group, a community. And what's, what happens after they join? We got to make sure that they're uplifted throughout and not just entering and not getting value from it. So another thing about ERGs that I thought was interesting is when we looked at the participation levels, like who who's more likely to participate in ERGs? These are Black and Hispanic employees, LGBTQIA employees, caretakers. And this makes sense. These are groups of people who are looking for a community. And if you remember from last time, some of these people are also the ones who are more likely to want to work in their preferred work arrangement and be willing to take a pay cut for their preferred work arrangement. So these are groups of people who are clearly needing a community and Mm -hmm. needing tailored approaches to how they work and need that attention. Absolutely. Okay. So let's put all of this together, everything we've talked about in part one and now in part two and talk about the human workplace and how companies can really get there to support all the different personas in the workplace. So based on what we found, what are some of the things that we're recommending? So I think the idea of the human workplace is really interesting because it's not just one thing. And and I, I think about this a lot with recognition. It's not enough to have a recognition program. Yes. It's not enough that having a recognition program doesn't mean recognition is part of your culture. That's right. You got to do it well, right? <laughs> it's See your Gallup research for yes. how to do it well. It's got to be embedded. And what that means is it's a norm. It's normal to be recognized and to recognize others. So back to human workplace, it's not just enough to have a recognition program. It's the combination of things at work, including how your relationship with your manager, how often and what kind of quality check-ins you're having with them. Do they care about your well-being and productivity and career growth? Like that's big. Yeah. And are you recognized? Are you valued? Are you feeling seen? But also the human element here is that you don't just shut off your humanity when you're working. People get married, people have babies, they go on leave, they come back from leave. We are all humans, first and foremost. And when you work in an organization that not only acknowledges that, but celebrates that, like, hey, you came back from leave, welcome back. You are a valued person in our organization. That is what contributes to the overall human workplace. And that's where we see the biggest benefits, the highest psychological safety in this report. Yeah, I think, you know, one one really important point here is that the human workplace is a workplace that centers the human. Oh, yeah. So when the human does something, right, you recognize it and not just above and beyond. Because remember, recognition is a way for people to feel seen. So should people really have to trip over themselves in order to be seen? I say no. Also, 
You want to make sure that the human knows that you're seeing the whole human. So don't just recognize them for things that benefit your organization, right? Like recognize them for their life events, things that they accomplish in their personal life. You can use it to amplify and celebrate wellness activities and wellness accomplishments like, you know, a marathon. And then also the relationship, as you talked about before, between the person and their manager. Yeah. Not only checking in frequently, at least once a week, according to our research, but checking in well, not just on what the person is doing, but how the person is not just on what they're doing, but also on how they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And last time we talked about job insecurity, which is also a big topic right now. And we found that individuals who check in with their managers at least weekly are less likely to say they're afraid of losing their job. It's all about being in the know, being in the loop and the transparency mm-hmm. that's necessary to feel confident and psychologically safe at work. And I also, too, want to talk about the importance of ramping these things up during times of turmoil and change. And one of the things I notice is that when things get tough, businesses start talking about the business and the metrics and the money. And I think in those times, it's extra important to realize none of this happens without the people, right? And so making sure that through those times of change and turmoil, the people are still being taken care of and all those foundational elements of the human workplace are still in place. For sure. So in conclusion, over the last few years, a common refrain has been that employees now have the power. And we want to challenge that. That is not exactly right in our opinion. The truth of it is, if employees had the power, we wouldn't be seeing some of the things that we're seeing, like, you know, people feeling like they're not paid enough, like they're not valued enough, they're stressed, they're scared they're of losing bur- their jobs. They're scared of losing their jobs. But what they are is empowered, which is different. The pandemic taught us that there is a better way and a different way. And all our assumptions about how work had to happen were pretty much wrong. So now we have a workforce that is so much more empowered to seek out what they want and need in the workplace. And we're all collectively realizing that there's so many options than there were before. So remember, y'all, when the business, the business get, gets what it needs, when employees get what they need. And what people need is often different based on who they are and what stage of their lives they're in. So engage, listen, be flexible, and reap the the rewards. Thank you so much for listening to How We Work. And thank you so much, Isha, for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. 